Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. A reading from Proverbs, book 25, verses 6 through 7. Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace just because you've seen something. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Hebrews. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immortal and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for having invited those who could not repay you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Good. So today I have a sermon for you in three parts. I haven't done a prop sermon in a while, so here we are. And as I go through this, I'm going to be building a little altar right here. This is something that our forebears, the mother and fathers, mothers and fathers in the Hebrew scriptures did all the time when something important or transformative happened, um, whether they were in the wilderness or not, they would pile up stones and build an altar. Um, And we have done that for years as well. We have made them prettier and perhaps more permanent, um, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So we're going to build a little altar here. 
And this sermon is a sermon in uh, three parts, as I said. It is based particularly on the verse in the letter to the Hebrews that we just heard. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. It's lovely, right? Some of you maybe have heard that slightly differently or seen it in cross-stitch or similar. Some have entertained angels unawares. So, my three parts. One, who are the strangers? Two, what is hospitality? Three, angels? That part's important. Yeah. So first, who are the strangers? I have to put my sermon down to do this because this one's very heavy. Who are the strangers? So if you've uh, ever heard a sermon before, you're probably thinking, well, it's all of us. Of course it is. All of us are sojourners in a strange land. We are all strangers of one another, longing for connection and community. But that can be a cop-out to say it's all of us. It can be an easy way not to engage with the specific pain around us. Because the point of recognizing ourselves as strangers is to know our unworthiness and our belovedness and to extend that recognition and empathy to other people, particularly those we fear or those we just can't stand for one reason or another. So we are all strangers means you are worthy of love and belonging, but so is she, you know, her or them, whoever they are to you. Let me give you a very specific example, by no means the only possible one, but one that is present to me right now. In America, one of the most estranged group of strangers we have is prison and jail inmates. 2.2 million people are incarcerated in this country. It's only seven-tenths of the entire population, but interestingly, that same 2.2 million people is 22% of the world's population. Some of those folks are guilty as heck. Some of them are innocent. Many are stuck in a gray area of addiction or mental illness or poverty and desperation, but of course, they're all human. They're all created by God as a gift to the world. So why am I talking about this? Well, because the writer of Hebrews talked about it, because Jesus talks about it. Visit those in prison as if you yourself are in prison. And I'm talking about this because I've been visiting the Hamilton County Jail for some months every Thursday. And I feel like it's important for me to say right now that I'm not saying I'm perfect and wonderful for having done this. (laughs) I'm just saying it's presence to me. (laughs) I'm engaged with this right now. And I am not just engaged with it, I'm excited about it. You guys, every Thursday morning I wake up and I go, oh, I get to go to the jail today. And even another side note, this is a very weird experience. Just recently, there was somebody who'd been there for a while, and I got there, and he wasn't there, and I was sad. And then I was like, right, (laughs) it's good, liberation. (laughs) Anyway, my friend Daniel Hughes and I are part of this re-entry program, helping these men to be less likely to re-offend. And it's working. There's some statistics that show that these exit pod programs are helpful. They're working. They're slow, like growth, but they're working. And these men have done really dumb things. And some of them have done really violent things. They've hung out with the wrong people who seemed like the right people at the time. 
We only have an hour each week with these men, but we offer what we can. Daniel speaks to them from scripture, and I lead them in a contemplative chant from our campus ministry, or maybe a contemplative meditation of some kind. And Daniel always begins with what he calls soul check. How is it with your soul, he says. I love the way he says that. And two of the guys right now are really excited when they see me walk in the room. They immediately pull papers out of their breast pockets that they've written the words to the songs that I've taught them <laughs> on, and they've been practicing them. It's so cute. So this week at Soul Check, they said that their souls were tired, ready to be replenished, excited, intolerant, blessed, grateful, ambitious, optimistic, alive, equipped, depressed, changed, experienced, happy, bonded, anxious, and exactly where he's supposed to be. And yes, he meant in that room at the jail, exactly where he's supposed to be. Can you guys relate to any of those words? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do a soul check with every person in the room, don't worry. They are human beings, obviously, <laughs> worthy of love and belonging, and we as a society don't treat them that way. I learned just this past Thursday that many of them, when they are released, are released at three in the morning. This one guy, the artist they've called him because he's always drawing, I've known him for a few months, he was released just last week at 3 a.m. and picked up 10 hours later back in the Justice Center. It took me a, a moment to process this. For me, going somewhere at 3 a.m. just sounds sleepy but solvable. And then it hit me, you send somebody out in the streets at 3 a.m. with no money, no transportation, no family, no blanket even, what do you expect is going to happen? He was trying to find some place to sleep for a few hours, and he was picked up for trespassing. This is anecdotal, of course, it's not data, but it's descriptive of a larger problem. How do we, how do we as followers of Jesus in this room, treat those who are incarcerated. There's some amazing programs out there, not just here, all over the country. And prisoners in Florida recently regained the right to vote, which is great. But mostly we ignore them, out of sight, out of mind. We treat them as slaves while they're incarcerated. Our Constitution literally allows that to happen. We don't hire them when they've got a record. Maybe for good reason. Maybe not. We justify to ourselves the conditions that they find themselves in because they deserve it for their crimes. They need punishment to change. It's dehumanizing, and it's not about rehabilitation or redemption or resurrection. Remember those who are in prison, says the writer of Hebrews. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them. Because we are. We are incarcerated by sin, by indifference, by whatever it is that you've brought with you today. So at the end of this first part, I invite you just to think about the ways in which you yourselves are incarcerated and those who are strangers to you. Think about that while I'm placing our second stone of our altar for hospitality.
What is hospitality? Or perhaps more specifically, how do we show hospitality to strangers? At the jail, many of the guys when we show up, like literally usher us into the room. Like, come into our living room, have a seat. At the Edge House, we offer coffee or tea or water, we invite a conversation or a game. But of course, when we're not in the house, how do we offer people that same welcome, that same invitation? Hospitality in scripture is about generosity, it's about dignity, it's about safety. Generosity of money, food, time, skills, whatever you have with you. Hospitality of dignity. It's treating someone as a whole person with curiosity, not judgment. Hospitality is about safety. Sanctuary, even. A word that belonged to the church long before it became politicized. To be hospitable, we sit next to. We don't glare or whisper We say, that sounds hard, or interesting, tell me more. To be hospitable, we show up to dance recitals and hockey games. We show up to court dates and funerals. To be hospitable, we speak truth to power when those in power have lost the thread of dignity and generosity and safety. To be hospitable, we break the chains, we work for liberation and justice. And this isn't just my brain coming up with this stuff. It's all through scripture. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, says the prophet Micah. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them, says Leviticus of all people. Let justice roll down like waters, says Amos. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, says Hebrews. Word of God, word of life. Does this sound like a lot? It's all right, it is a lot. But it's also a delight. And we don't do it ourselves because show hospitality to strangers is something that God does with us. So we show hospitality to strangers because you may be entertaining an angel unawares. So part three, (laughs) angels? Yes, angels. In Greek, it's agelion, which literally means messenger. That's it. It's not wings and halos and Birkenstocks and things like that. Angels are, I like to think, the singing telegrams of God. But they're more than that, of course. They're terrifying. They're always saying, do not be afraid. At their base, angels arrive telling us something that is always good news. Now, you know as well as I do that good news doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it feels threatening. Maybe my talking about prisoners for so long or about what hospitality might mean on the ground. Maybe that feels threatening. And I'm legitimately sorry to hear that because it's meant to be good news. There is so much possibility out there. We have the opportunity to participate in the resurrection that God is working in the world. We don't have to participate. We get to participate. We get to be gifts to the world. And it's not even about the precise action that you take. There's lots of right answers. You could buy books for prisoners. You could sit with immigrants who are waiting for their interviews. 
You could donate to Taft or Habitat or work for them, which we're already doing. Hooray, good work. You could pray for the softening of hard hearts. But it's a gift to us that we get to be a gift to each other. Blessed to be a blessing, Pastor Alex always says, which of course doesn't originate with him. It's what God said to Abraham and Sarah. Those guys in jail, some of them are very aware of the gift they have to offer when they get out. They can be honest about their crimes and their decisions and their addictions, and they can be helpful with that to others. And also their delight and their passion. This is the message that the angels are here to tell us. You are a gift. Every single blessed one of you, even when you're sad. You are needed right here and right now. You weren't born a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago because you're needed now. The way you have been made is necessary for the world's delight and healing and salvation. And this is what we talked with the guys in the jail about on Thursday. Every one of them, regardless of what they have done and left undone, is a gift. That God had fun making them. That God had fun making you. This may seem to be the smallest thing minuscule, but it's the most amazing thing. It is the crown jewel of our little altar here. We may be tired, excited, intolerant, grateful, ambitious, depressed, changed, anxious, and we are exactly where we're supposed to be. We are angels, messengers to the communities out there. We are all strangers, separate, sojourning, yet we are all part of this body of Christ, this complete thing. The book of Hebrews tells us, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God invites us to look deeply into each other and say, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.